Hi, and welcome to the Jimboomba Baptist Church Sermon of the Week. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged by this message. Let me pray for Colin. This is Colin Studley, Pastor Colin Studley, probably Reverend Doctor. (laughs) Let's stretch your hands out and pray for him as he brings us the message this morning. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing among us. And I thank yes, you for right. this brother who, whom I've watched from a distance and always been encouraged, uh, whether I hear two minutes from his mouth or five minutes from his mouth, and I just appreciate him. And we, just, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak through him mildly yeah. this morning to yeah. our hearts, God. And whatever you want to say, Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you pray that you have your way with us. In yes. Jesus' name, anoint Amen. this man for this message. In Jesus' name, In Jesus Amen. Name. Amen. Bless you. Thank you very much. It's been a great treat to be able to come and uh, support Scott in this way and to be with you. Uh, I was last here when the building was the completely differently oriented and uh, quite different to the way it is now. And uh, I'm, I'm loving the improvements you've made. Well done to you all. Um, we, we call this time, this Sunday, Pentecost, and um, we call it simply because we counted 50 days from Easter. 50, pent. And um, the Jewish people, though, call uh, yesterday, and um, particularly yesterday, Shavuot. Shavuot. Um, S-H-A-V-U-O-T. So just, you know, just practice being a bit Jewish for the moment. Turn to the person next to you and go, the Jews call this Shavuot. Try it. Shavuot. Try saying it out loud. <laughs> That'll be good practice. Shavuot. And the other, the other name that's given to it is Feast of Weeks because they counted off 40 day, 49 days plus one from when they were having Passover. And if you're interested in these things, when you go home this afternoon, have a look for Leviticus 23. And uh, that's where that comes from initially. It's a, a feast of anticipation on the calendar and it's held each year at the same time, which with the vagaries of our, our calendar, sometimes is late May, as it is this year, but sometimes it's early June as well. It's one of the three great festivals that the Jewish people were given by God as a grace to them, uh, as part of their ongoing relationship with him, in order to help them understand God and what he was wanting and what he was hoping for in his relationship with them, and to grow in that and become mature in that and to enjoy it and get the full benefit of it. These three important times of the year were held. This one's a harvest festival. Now, there are a couple of people here, I think, that are old enough to remember harvest festivals. Anyone? There's a couple of us. We'll meet out the back, you know, just to compare notes. We've got T-shirts for this. There's caps, T-shirts, the whole thing. But I remember mushy peas... Anyone know what mushy peas is? Yeah, it's, it's a delicacy. And um, 
Uh, you could get mushy peas at Harvest Festival. You could also get pies. And what they would do is they would take the top off the pie and pile the mushy peas on top. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jesus, for mushy peas. And now you come to Queensland and you look for mushy peas and you can't find them. However, I did find one cafe near my home that offered them and I thought, hallelujah, the kingdom of God has come. <laughs> it was called the Jolly Swagman Cafe. Anyway, uh, Harvest Festival. This was, this was very much a um, part of, of it because it was harvest time. And um, the emphasis is in Shavuot um, is in remembering the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And during the Erev Shavuot, which is on the Friday and Shavuot on the Saturday, just passed, <clears throat> they would read the book of Ruth um, because that was a story from a harvest time. And, uh, and this would be part of, of what they would do to remember the time. It's no coincidence, though, that God chose this festival um, in that fateful year uh, in which our Lord Jesus was crucified, buried and raised, which is the fulfilment of Passover. Uh, now, you've probably heard of Passover, I think, yes? And you would know a little bit about that. It's got uh, three feasts in one. And um, it, it, it remembers the... The time, I'm having trouble with this, please forgive me. I'm trying to adjust it so that I don't kind of, every movement I make seems to be um, aggravating my situation. So I'm just going to adjust myself. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to put it in there, I think. It might save me embarrassing myself. Well, anyway, they have this at Passover. They have three feasts all in one. And these um, men and women now who come from Jewish backgrounds all see with great clarity that the death and the, the burial and the resurrection are all fulfilled in the Passover. And so that's why it's very important for uh, Jewish Christians, Jewish followers of Jesus. And so they then count the 50 days until um, they then take a much shorter one-off feast called Shavuot. And this is the time, and it's no, it's, no great, um, it's no great surprise for me after years of reading the scriptures you see, what had happened was that when the law had been um, offered initially, you can, if you want to have a read of that, that's Exodus 19 and 20. So when that particular time happened, there was a little glitch in the relationship between God and his people. Everything was going fine. He said, get yourselves ready because in three days' time, the law will come and I will come and be present. And you will be my people and, and I will be your God. 
but the, um, the sounds of the glory of God on the top of the mountain really did worry the people. And so they said, um, we'd like to propose a change. How about, Moses, you have that close relationship with God and we'll do everything you say. And so the very intent that God had to, to have that intimate relationship with his people was frustrated that day. And when the law was given, it was mediated through Moses, which wasn't how God had wanted it. You see, what God wanted to do was bring the law and bring it into the hearts of his people. They never quite got it from that point. You see, when we hold God at a distance like that, we're lessening the effect that we'll really know him. We'll really know what he wants. So this was what happened. It had never been God's will, though, that um, he would give that up. Many years later, after the terrible time of the exile, or sorry, of the years leading up to the exile, the Lord came to one of his prophets, it was Jeremiah, and in Jeremiah 31, verse 33, he said, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it on their hearts. If you ask a rabbi, he will tell you that the law of God was not actually chiseled into two pieces of stone. It was actually the stone they believe that Moses carried down the mountain was sapphire and the words were in the stone. You see, God had the Jewish people believed that God had wanted to write his law, his way, his, his manner of life on the inside. And if you were listening to those testimonies, you notice how that came up, didn't it? There were times when they were you know, at church or, or maybe they knew a little bit about God, but things weren't very good necessarily. But then... Then something happened and Jesus was began to operate from the inside. He was writing his law on their hearts. And this was always the better way because then we know. And, and look, a good example of that is marriage. Could you imagine? I mean, just, you know, many of us know what marriage is like. I, when I met Pastor Scott's wife, I thought, boy, that lad's... Punching above his weight, isn't he? Very, very smart man. Wow, well done to Scott. You know, I already thought a lot of him. But then I met his wife. I thought, wow, Scott really is a smart guy. That he can convince such a wonderful person to marry him. God bless it. Do you know, wouldn't it be odd? Wouldn't it be odd if... If God had, uh, you know, if God had, well, actually he did, didn't he? Do you remember in the ten instructions that were given to Moses, one of them was, I'm not having any skanky boyfriends and girlfriends living in my house, our house with us. 
It does say that. It's a special translation. And you, you know, and the other prayer, the other instruction that the Lord gave to Moses was, and I'm not having any of your pictures of your skanky girlfriends and boyfriends either. And so there's a, there's a, it's a call into intimacy. And God had wanted to do it on Sinai. He'd wanted to do it there. When he introduced the law, he had wanted to do it there, but the people didn't want that. They held him at arm's length and said, no, we'll take it all through Moses. Thanks. And so they missed out. But then many years later, God gave that wonderful word, I'm going to write it on their hearts. It was still God's plan. Now, all of this is leading up to that fateful year that Jesus died, was buried, and then raised again on the third day. And it really was the third day. And uh, it's such a wonderful thing that happened. And, and so now they're counting out the days and the disciples were told, wait here for my promise. You see, what, was, what God was going to do is he said, right, I've waited long enough. I'm going to write the law of God, my law, by my spirit on these people's hearts. I'm going to write it on the inside of them. And that was that Shavuot, that same year. There were seven feasts in all. Three had already been fulfilled. The middle one, Shavuot, was about to be fulfilled. But you might be interested to know there's still three more. And these are three that actually are part of what is called tabernacles, which comes late September early October. And that will be fulfilled when Jesus returns. That'll be a good day. Mind you, the way things are going in our country, I find myself praying that prayer more often. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Yeah. Shavuot, that year, was an exceptionally important time. God was at last fulfilling And uh, what he had wanted to do in um, the Exodus time at Mount Sinai, what he had promised to do in the years coming up to the exile, now was about to be fulfilled. And the description of it is found in Acts 2. It was Shavuot. All the disciples were gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem. And because if you remember, that's what Acts 1, 4 said to do. Wait here, wait here, but wait for the promise of the Father. And remember that the one uh, Jeremiah had written about, he, he, you are about, he said, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It turned out that this was to be the day when the word of the Lord would be confirmed. Now, the Holy Spirit had been at work since creation. He'd been at work all the time. He had come to many people, men and women, and and by his power they had operated. Some of them had very strange power, like Samson could 
you know, by the means of the Holy Spirit, rip the gates out of a city and carry them off. Some of them um, were, were um, mighty in battle. Some of them were wonderful in creativity. And so the Holy Spirit came on some people on some occasions for certain jobs. So he'd always been around, always been around. He'd been doing things. But at Shavuot this year, at the feast of uh, what, we, what we call Pentecost, he was going to start doing something different. The baptism would come. Now, of course, baptism, uh, our brother Scott um, r- rather humorously referred to that. We'll, we'll hold them down there for a while, just kind of make sure. But, you know, the baptizo, the word baptizo means that you're in the water and the water's in you. It's kind of like a ship when it gets sunk is baptizo, yeah? Now, of course, we don't really baptize people because if we baptized them, we'd hold them down there long enough until the, the air bubbles stop coming out. So we don't want to do that, do we? We'll, 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 we'll put them under, make sure they get all nice and wet, and then we'll bring them back, right? Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that said we die with him, but we're also raised with him. Yeah? So this particular time, what the Holy Spirit was going to do was different. What he was going to do was he was going to come upon people, fill them to overflowing, to make sure that the law of God was inside them. It was on their hearts and he was going to give them power. So that that could happen. So something wonderful was about to take place. And you can read it in the opening verses of Acts. Let me read the passage. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men and women from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because... Everyone heard them speak in his own language. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretan and Arab. We hear them all speaking in our own language the wonderful works of God. And so they were all amazed and perplexed. Whatever could this mean? But others mocked and they said, no, don't worry, they're just full of new wine. It's not good to eat, drink new wine, friends. Now, I don't know whether you're a wine drinker, but don't drink new wine, or too new wine anyway. Um, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea, 
and all who dwell in Jerusalem, this let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, the prophet Joel mentioned here had prophesied of a day when God's people would be transformed and released into an important missionary work. And Peter said that it was at that Shavuot that the prophecy was to be fulfilled and uh, by the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so here, in this particular time of the year, we remember the time, the first occasion, when the Holy Spirit was poured out for the purpose of writing the law on the inside of the people's lives. And we give thanks that it has been doing so every year, every day of every year since then. And so here is the fulfilment, 50 days after the fulfilment of Passover, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and and now we come to this time when we recognise that it is by the power of the Spirit of God that we become who we are meant to be, doing what we are meant to do, and being how we are meant to live, uh, friends, the manner of our lives is coming, becoming increasingly more important. And so what the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit does is it begins the process of writing on the inside of your life the, the, the purpose of God, the laws of God, the manner of his life, the way he wants to live and his love for the world. And so we, we kind of, I just want to wrap this up with a couple of questions. So what did Jesus say to the disciples before he left about this? Well, in Acts 1.8, he talked about a provision and a task. Listen to it. Remember, Acts 1.8, he said there would be power. That's the provision. And And then you will be my... Do you remember the word? You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You receive power and you will be my, do you remember the word, witnesses? You've heard that word, right? Witnesses? You will be, I will give you power, you will be my witnesses. I will give you power, you will be my witnesses. There's a provision there and a task there. The baptism of the Spirit sets that possibility up. We, um, I'll talk about the nature of the witness in a minute, but if you can try to imagine what God wants to do with the power by filling you with the power of the Holy Spirit is to give you what you need to live and what you need to complete the task. He doesn't want you to try and attempt the task without his power. He wants you to have his power. And uh, that's the first thing that we can Uh, celebrate and remember today what would witnessing look like well now there's two passages in the in the early parts of acts that you can have a look at so if you read the end of the chapter two and the end of chapter four it tells us something the end of chapter two describes how the new believers recently filled with the holy spirit lived They were generous to one another. They met together. They ate together. They looked after one another. So there was a demonstration witness. 
And so you could tell what God was like by looking at them and the way they lived. Have you ever met someone and when you've met them, you watched how they lived? You ever done that? And then you learn so much about their faith simply by watching how they live. How generous were they? How kind were they? How reliable were they? How open-hearted were they? How hospitable were they? How generous, yeah? And uh, so there was this demonstration. But the passage that's also interesting is the end of chapter 4 where they talk, where they, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke the word boldly. So there was these two words associated with witness. There was the demonstration in Acts 2 and then there was the proclamation in Acts 4. Now, I grew, I've grown up in the church all my life. I was three days old when I went to my first church service. Three days old, and now I'm the years old. I've, I've, I'm um, oh, sorry, you didn't hear how many because I conveniently, yes. All right. So, uh, look, I've been in church all my life. But I tell you, we hear, tend to hear more about saying something than we do about demonstrating something. The power of your life is so valuable, especially now, but so is proclaiming. You need both of them. And the Holy Spirit would come to in, and help you by his power to live the right way and to act the right way, to share the message about Jesus by his power as well. So who was the witness for? Well, there's a hint for us in Acts as well, chapter 2. Um, and you know, I, think, I think what we've got to see here is that they were all over the world. There were believers there. And because it was Shavuot, they had probably come for Passover and just stayed in town for 50 days to be a part of Shavuot before they would go home again. But it's Acts 1.8 that tells us how wide this is meant to go. You remember, he says, You shall be my witnesses in Judea and then Samaria and then... The ends of the earth. When God gave the land to Israel, it wasn't random. He picked that spot because at that time and for many centuries since, if you were traveling from the south to the north, you went through that land. If you were traveling from the north to the south, you went through that land. If you were going from the east to the west to pick up a boat, you went through that land. Why would God put his people there? So that they could be a demonstration and a proclamation of his will and purpose. Well, they didn't cooperate. And we don't either when we sit in church and we hear about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and live without it. So we've got this opportunity for the sake of the world and the world has come to us. We don't, you know, in Australia, we're not a boring Anglo-Saxon, English, Scots, Irish kind of group of people now. Everyone's here, I think. We don't have to go far now. All the nations are with us. And we can tell because we've got all these food options we didn't used to have. 
When I was a boy, we were lucky to get fish and chips. Now you've got, you've got everything. You've got Nepalese. You ever had Nepalese food? You ever had African food? Oh, my goodness. Malaysians? I think they'll be catering in heaven. Um, yeah, those are remarkable people. All the nations are with us. What does God want his church to be? He wants people to be powered by the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be overflowing with power. Why? So that you can live a demonstration of what it's like to follow Jesus right in front of people and then by his power continue not just living a certain way but encouraging others through the message about Jesus. Well, I think I've probably covered everything. I could speak a whole lot longer, but I'll pause here, I think. Um, Let me just say this in conclusion and pray with you. Growing up as a young man, I grew up in a very conservative evangelical church. It was like a Baptist church. It wasn't Baptist. But like a lot of Baptists, I grew up in a church where you never really got excited, you, but you did on the inside. But you never let it out. You never got really enthusiastic, you know, well, that was for those weirdos down the road. You never really lived a power life. You talked about power, but, yeah, you never really got into it, friends. For years, I read passages like this but didn't understand them. And my encouragement to you would be that you pester your pastor and and say, Brother, can we pray that I will be filled with the Holy Spirit? Would Would you do that? Pester him. Pester him until he says, All right, I think you're ready. Let's pray. Okay, and, and don't give up. I've learned that you don't ask this prayer of God just once and then say, well, I tried it, it didn't work. You actually keep pestering him. You keep saying to him, I'm not letting you go till you do this work in me so that the manner of my life and the message of Jesus that I carry will be powerful. I pray you do that. Now, A prayer. No need to close your eyes and bow your heads. It's not a religious thing. Father, I'm looking out upon these precious people and I pray this prayer for them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Grab a hold of them and by grace fill them to the point when Aussies and people in this neighborhood people living in this neighbourhood will start to hear something's happening up there and I want to be a part of it. I pray that prayer for them. And we thank you, Lord, for those who are getting baptised. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like more info, please see our website at jbc.org.au. May you know Jesus' presence with you. Have a great day. God bless.